Denise Morales, and I'm your host for Be Nurtured, Be You. But today's podcast and the podcast series that you are watching is In My Feels But I'll Heal podcast. And so we are talking about everything related to mental health and some of the struggles we go through every day, our healing journeys. This is not a place where we're perfect, we're already fixed, we know what's going on, but it's a place where we're trying to figure out what's going on and some of the things that we're doing or not doing and just kind of talking to our friends, our peers and people in the industry to hear about mental health and how they're doing with it. So I want to introduce to you one of my great friends, Derek Davenport, and I'll go ahead and let you take the stage a little bit. Well, I am honored to be here first off and foremost. So Denise, thank you for even allowing me the opportunity to to open up and be vulnerable. Uh, like she said, I'm Derek Davenport. I, I am a lot of things, but first and most importantly, a son of God, um, aside from a businessman, a father, a husband, and, and so on and so forth. But yeah, excited to be here and, and really dive in and, and talk about, I think, some of the external factors that are affecting us internally. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, I know we want to sit out in prayer. By the way, these are mocktails, <laughs> just in case. Um, but mocktails and let's go ahead and get into prayer. So thank you, God, for bringing us here today. Thank you for being in the midst and allowing us to do um, everything that you have known that is in our heart's desires. I know that this is the season of blessings and I know that you have greater intentions for us than what we ever imagined. And while our dreams are this, your dreams for us are greater, um, God. And so thank you so much for being here. Allow us to open up our hearts, our minds to speak and to flourish into those things. Derek, do you want to add anything? Yeah, Father God, I thank you for this time. I ask that you, again, are in our midst and our presence, Lord God, and you touch us to have a conversation that is impactful to the community and to others, Lord God, not only to bring them closer to you, but to bring them closer to clarity and healing, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 So we 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 getting into the Let's nitty-gritty. Do Let's do it. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited. Um, so whenever pretty much the... The journey to this and to kind of get into some history um in my Phyllis podcast about all heal was pretty much i'm an emotional person i don't know about you yeah <laughs> i am I, I tried to front on it for a long time being a man <laughs> but yeah like, get hurt get hurt a little bit <laughs> um so i'm a pretty emotional person but i'm very vulnerable with people that I love and I hold dear and I feel like there's been different times where like i've called on my friends and been like yo i really love you like i really appreciate you um, and so kind of just going through that journey and knowing that like, I'm not perfect and I don't think we can all be perfect. Yeah. God is the like image of perfection. Absolutely. Um, none of us can get to that point, but, um, open up the submissions form and, uh, got a lot of love and outpour for my friends to sign up to be part of the podcast. And, uh, so today we are going to be focusing on ADHD, correct? Yeah, we we can we can talk through ADHD, ADD. Um, got a long history from a early diagnosis in my life, so there's a there's a lot to un- unpack there. I think we could really Ooh. get get stuck in the rabbit hole <laughs> going through that. Um, and so, just so you know, I am not diagnosed. Um, I am undiagnosed, but are, do I feel like I got it? I got <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way, but it's funny enough. Um, and to take take you like through my journey. So, and I think I told you about this the other day when we were kind of talking about um, and preparing for for today. I was diagnosed with 
ADD and ADHD back in 2008. Wow. And the medicine that we all know as Vyvanse now mm-hmm. was approved to be released to the public in 2007. Mm-hmm. So I was... Um, Wait, how old were you? <laughs> I was fourth grade, so... 11, 10, wow. 11 years you were, old. Wow, you were still in elementary school and yeah. you got diagnosed and been told you're going to get on some medication. Yeah, and I was like, okay, whatever. You know, at that time, I was just doing whatever my parents told me to do. They were taking me through the process. It was new to them too. I mean, it was, the medication was pretty much new to everyone and the diagnosis was pretty new. So I was actually like a, a, a rat in a study. Do you feel like that? Like you felt like you were a guinea pig in the I study? I did, I did. I felt like I was a guinea pig because... It was so new going to the doctor or, or the psychologist that often. I had never seen a psychologist before at all. Wow. But going to the psychologist that often, the questions they asked me. That, for instance, you know, sitting down in a room while a, a strange man watches you, gives you a toy to play with, um, and just watches how you play and interact with that toy or that game um, was kind of weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like... Like, you and my friend, like, I didn't know you before this. Like, why are you trying to give me a toy? Yeah, <laughs> what are we doing here? There's no relationship there yet. But, you know, I'm 10, 11 years old, and I'm going through this study. And I went through this the, the, the studies for about two or three years overall, seeing the psychologist for about eight years. So it was a really long period of time where they took the opportunity to not only understand what violence can do to the human body and how it would affect, you know, kids at the age that I was at. Mm-hmm. It also kind of paved the way for what are the real symptoms of ADD and ADHD. Yeah. So can can you recall kind of what you felt when you were under medication for, for so you were diagnosed ADHD? Okay. Right. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting because I tried a couple of different medications. I went through a placebo study where they essentially try to trick the mind in saying, hey, we're going to give you a sugar pill. If we see that the things that you are struggling with start to become healed or restored, if you will, then we can say the, you don't need medication. So it worked. Or, or not that it worked, but you don't need well, it? Well, I didn't know that they were get. I didn't know if it was a sugar pill or not. Right. It was an actual medication, but they didn't mm-hmm. tell you what they were giving you so that it didn't, my mind didn't go to a place of, oh, I'm on medicine. Right. The medicine's fixing so, me. So y'all, so just so you know what the placebo effect does and the sugar pill does is that if somebody gives you this sugar pill and you take it, and all of a sudden you're healed, then you really you didn't even need medication from the start because you were not medicated with anything. You were just given sugar um, as a way to feel like you physically took something and it worked for you. So it's more of like a mental recognition of like, okay, there wasn't anything for us to really uh, give you that was like a psych- like a psychotropic drug or anything like that, like a actual drug to give you. Yeah, and I'm sure they told my parents at the time, like, hey, this is what we're giving him. But I didn't know. And all I knew was I was going to get 100 bucks from doing the study. So I was like, hey. <laughs> hello, $100. <laughs> I'm down for that. So month after month, it was something different. Of course, not knowing what it was, I only knew how it made me feel and, and how it affected my body. And a lot of times going to school, my friends would say, hey, like, what's wrong with you, man? You know, where's Derek at? Who's this guy? You know, he's he's like a it was like I because it, you weren't being yourself. Yeah. You okay. know, because I was almost a shell of myself. So mm. essentially, the medicine made me feel as if though there was no reason for me to be outspoken or outside of the box. It would put me into this box. And the, the great thing was it worked because my focus became whatever it was that I needed to accomplish. So, so give us a little bit of backstory of like 
why your parents decided like we need to get our kid checked. <laughs> like, I, I think that's important too because like we want to recognize and see like what symptoms were occurring in that time that made people think like I think I got something and I need to go get seen. Yeah, so I would say specifically because it was in fourth grade that I have I have this recollection re recollection of the memory. <laughs> One time we were taking a test. I was in. Um, I was in my my sorry my English class uh, mm -hmm. for my teacher was Miss Bagby. I'll never forget her because of what I did in her class. Uh, it was math <laughs> sorry, or English, I can't remember, but I remember the teacher. Her name was Miss Bagby, uh, and <laughs> we're in class and we're taking a test, right? And she used to hand out lollipops to the entire class while we were taking the test, just as an incentive. Mm. Uh, and I don't work on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, right? Everybody, everybody as a kid, you're like, man, we get lollipops during the test. Well. I would get distracted from the test. So we got the lollipops and I'm like, you know, I've been in the, the stick on the lollipop. The test isn't timed or anything. We got to the end of class, but you know, I've been in the stick on the lollipop. I'm playing around with the lollipop or whatever the case may be. I'm not doing my test. And I was thinking like, man, I want to get this, this stick off the lollipop so I can just put the whole lollipop in my mouth. And not worry about the stick. Your mission became something else <laughs> so, other than that so, test. Mind you, we're still every everybody else around me is taking this test. So it's like, what am I doing here? But I end up crazy story. So I end up taking some scissors out of my desk and trying to cut the stick off. You committed. I, you, I was committed, you, you committed to this. I was like, all right, uh, hey, test can wait. Let's let's get this stick off this lollipop <laughs> that I just got. <laughs> so I go to cut the 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 stick off and not realizing that a part of my lip was in the scissors as well. So when I go to cut the stick off the lollipop, not only did the lollipop stick not cut the first time, but my lip did. <laughs> and, so, and so I instantly start just blood starts rushing out of my lip. And I'm oh like, my. oh man. Uh, I done messed up. I'm, I done messed up. I'm bleeding now. I'm like, oh, well. So I raise my hand. I'm like, Miss Bagby, I, I think I'm bleeding. And if she could see it rushing down, she's like, oh, my God. So it, came, it became this big ordeal because, mind you, I'm in fourth grade. So, like, she rushes me to the nurse. They call my parents. My parents are like, oh, we got to go get them. Think, rushing, rushing me to the hospital because they thought I cut a vein, which I didn't know there okay. were veins in your lip anyway. But this is nice um, to me halfway too. there to the hospital, they turn around and we go back and, and the bleeding has stopped and we're good. But from that moment on, I think my parents became concerned because... Not just because I cut my lip in class, but because we were taking a test. Your hyper focus was somewhere else. Completely somewhere else. I didn't even finish the test, obviously. And so. Oh, man, you didn't even finish it? Did you even pick up the pencil? <laughs> I know I wrote my name on the paper. I can remember that much, but it's so long ago. I remember not finishing the test and having to, because when I came back, I had to finish the test. Yeah. Um, man, they still made you finish Yeah, the Yeah. They asked me if I was okay, too. And I was like, yeah, why not? You know? Okay. Um, but I think that that played a huge part in the concern that came around um, me having some type of yeah. need for controlled focus yeah. um, or at least a controlled focus mentality so mm -hmm. that I could get through school. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit of how that looks like now in your life, because I can I can only imagine what it seems like now. So just so you know, um, one of my family members is diagnosed ADHD. Um, and so I've been reading up on it as well, too. And I picked up that it's kind of generational. It can get passed down family member to family member. And um, do I feel like I got it? 
Um, and like, I'll go and I'll do something. I'll forget. I'll get derailed and I'll start with one project and I'll end up with another project. Um, and so I just noticed that even when I have conversations with people in my mind, I completed the conversation and I'm already moving on to the next subject. So some people think I'm being rude and I'm already talking about something else, but it's because like, I see where the story is going. Yeah. So I'm like trying to cut through and go and to, get the to the other chase. Get to the chase. Like, like, what do you want? Because <laughs> honestly, I was, I'm ready to think about something else. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, this is how that ends. We start talking about this is yeah, where what, I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because like to answer your question, I really, I want to go like to go back. Okay. So that's what I experienced my entire life and uh -huh. growing up on the medicine um, it created a scenario where I was hyper focused on things because it it created some type of genetic or chemical makeup in my brain mm -hmm. over a time period from taking it so long. You know, eight, nine, ten years. I took this medication That's starting at time. ten years old. I, I recently stopped it around twenty, and I'm twenty six now. Mm -hmm. So, did you go through withdrawals? Like, what was the and at what point did you decide I don't want to take this medication anymore? I got to a point. So I got to a point in my life where my liver was hurting. Wow. Um, and they, one of the things they used to do every single two weeks when I would go see the, the psychologist is they would do liver enzyme tests to make sure because. So they knew the, it would affect absolutely. Your, your liver. Between the kidney and the liver, they knew that there was sort of two organs inside uh, your body that the medicine could have adverse effects to. Aside from the, all the little symptoms on a long-term scale, right. um, those two. So they would always check. They would have me do the liver enzyme test, and then they would test my kidney as well through my blood work mm -hmm. just to see where I was at. And this was every two weeks. Excuse me. So, like, I started to, when I got older and I started to change my diet, right. started to focus more on my health, was working out. I played football in college for a little while, um, and it made me super health conscious. When I would take the medicine... Before I learned how to microdose it on my own, mm. I would get liver pains throughout the day. And it was mm. because the medication has some type of chemical inside that draws all the water. It's similar to the the, um, the creatine in our body where right. it draws all the water out. Um, and it... To kind of dehydrate yeah, you in a way. Yeah, it does. It absolutely dehydrates you. And it's like the equivalent, I could say, you guys could probably, you know, relate with this. Drinking too much one night, waking up the next morning and you're like... Oh, like your your intestine, your entire intestines are like you, you on fire. You hurting, you moaning. <laughs> yeah, you're like, like without the headache and all that stuff. You know, it's like oh. Uh. So around 19, 20 years old, I had got I started getting that more often, and wow, because I had moved out of my parents' house, mm -hmm. I was out of a place where I'm going to the doctor so repetitively, mm -hmm. um, because I had my own views of doctors and stuff like that over time, and so. But wait, that also kind of affects you wanting to take medication and you even participating when you have a viewpoint towards um like the doctors the treatment the whole like pharmaceutical like you tend to participate in it differently so i wonder Absolutely. how your view towards it maybe either made you want to do it or made you have more friction towards it yeah well i think it changed like the perspective changed over time it became from like being a cognitive bot where i'm like I wake up in the morning, mom makes breakfast, she has the medicine. Boom, take your medicine. Every single morning to where I moved out of the house, it's like, hey. So it was a routine for you exactly. until you moved out. Going to the doctor, it was a routine. Like, And then, you know, you move out and you go on your own, you're standing on, on your own two feet. You create your own routines, you create your own patterns, you change your habits. Things look different for you um, because you're not having someone do these things for you all the time. Right. And so when I moved out, 
you know, some of those routines change. Obviously, going to the doctor so um, repetitively, that mm-hmm. changed for me completely. I would only go if I needed to get that one check of a month right. to have my medicine. And the medicine would last me, you know, 30 days. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I would go to the doctor once a month opposed to wow. going. And I wouldn't go see a psychologist if I didn't have to. I would go to someone like a primary care physician who would prescribe me Vyvanse. Um, mm. and, and a lot of them choose not to prescribe that medication because of the adverse effects and the side effects that it actually has. Um, do you, and do you find that interesting that like your primary doctor would be like, I'm not going to prescribe you this, but your psychologist would, would prescribe it. And, and that's, what's interesting. And I think we're having a conversation about that. Um, like your body, if you don't get the proper like blood work done and see what kind of medications are poisonous to your body, you could be medicated something and it can make you more manic and make you like experience severe mental health symptoms, not knowing that it actually is not going to help you while it will work for some other people. It does not work for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember around the, like after the studies, when they decided, Hey, Vivance is going to be the mes- best medication for your son. So that's what I started taking. Mm-hmm. Nowadays you don't see it anymore, but when it first came out, they had a 75 milligram and that was like the highest you can get. Now I think you can only get 65 or 70 something. So, like so they lowered it. Yeah. They know like this is too much. For two <laughs> they, they did lower it. We're going to lower this medication down. And to have had that experience, I can say it was too much. It was way wow. too much. Like it started to create, um, very negative effects for me. So like, for instance, Mm -hmm. not only would I be super dehydrated throughout the day, um, and it built up a great, uh, a great habit for me. I carry around a gallon now, but I used to be super (laughs) dehydrated out the day and I was playing basketball, football, running track and I'd be super dehydrated out the day. And like towards the end of the day, by the time that I'm going home, Mm -hmm. I would have a complete drop off. So from, you know, riding this, not high, but this mid-level, you know, where I'm always super high energy without the medication. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm super am. I'm just super active, super high energy. So as do a you start getting like social withdrawals? Like I don't want to be bugs. I don't don't bother me. Don't like talk I don't, to me. Don't talk to me. Do you become irritated, agitated? Like tell irritable, us a little bit about <laughs> agitated, um, rebellious. A lot of things started to happen because it is so. I'll take you through the steps, right? Okay. I'm on the medication. I'm here without the medication. I'm Mm -hmm. very high level, super high energy. The medication brings me here. Very mid-level energy, almost non-existent unless it's required to focus on a task at hand. Mm -hmm. And that was like the the part of the medication that was great. I could get things done and I could focus on them all day and night. If I took that medicine at 6 a.m., I could focus on something till 6 a.m. the next day and not go to sleep. Must have been a mess. And then there was this crash at the end. So it... Drop down levels, and at the from the middle to the low point, the low point was like the lowest low. I would be agitated when my mom talked to me. Eating, no go, not eating at all. So I'm losing weight, drinking water, doing things that were regular necessity mm-hmm. for the human body. I've no longer felt a craving or a need for these things to provide my body nutrition. Wow. Yeah, and so it so was, it was making you unhealthy in other ways, like your relationships, your eating habits, like your day to day life. Like it was messing you up but it was also helping you in some other things yeah like it was it's helping me academically be focused or um if i needed to complete a project whatever the case may be but my relationships were were seeing some i guess fallout from right from the and, and most people didn't understand that and i didn't understand that at the time until now uh-huh. you know um but like one day for instance one of my friends we were in class and she was like 
you know, she was used to always seeing me because I would take I would take stints in high school where like when my mom stopped monitoring me on the medicine, I'd be like, I ain't taking it this week. Or I ain't gonna take it this <laughs> you, day. You I started, wilded today. <laughs> I started, yeah, honestly, I started to get I started to get uh, smart about it. I'd be like, bet I got a couple tests this day. I got some homework I got to do. Boom, I take the medicine this day. Cool. Next day, oh, no, nah, I just got practice. I don't really care about nothing important going on in class. Mm-hmm. And, or if I got to go to certain classes or I'm going to a certain play, I'm like, I'm not going to take it because I'm going to turn up. You know? So I'm you were like strategizing when to take your medication yes. based on how you wanted to feel. feel exactly. That's you know, And based on what did I need to get accomplished. Right. And I remember one day I got into a new class. It was a new semester. And I'm in class with one of my friends. And she's used to me being like super high energy, always <laughs> playing with her. Um, and <laughs> she's like, she comes up to me one day. And she like taps me on the shoulder and I was like, and I was on my wrong medicine. Day. She didn't wrong know day, girl. And, yeah, absolutely wrong day. I look, I look at her. I'm like, what? Like, what do you want? She's like, what is wrong with you? Like, you know, and she was one of my really, still to this day, one of my really good friends. But at this time it kind of altered our relationship because every moment then after that, I was rude and she was mm. expecting me to be rude. And it was because I was continuously trying to focus mm. on something for that class. Yeah. And I was on my medicine trying to focus on it. For that class. For that class. So what what is something you wish you people would have known about you and that those time periods? Honestly, there's not a lot of grace that's provided when when you have a um let's call it a mental health illness. And I and that's difficult to say because I don't think it, it's the way I was created. And I think I was wired mm-hmm. this way for a reason. So I won't right. say a mental health illness. I'll find a different word for it, but it's just who I am, right? Mm-hmm. I think that I wish people would have known that I needed, in some circumstances, I needed the medication because it helped me control some of the things that I felt like I didn't know how to control or I didn't know how to operate out of. Hyperactivity is actually a great to, thing. To help you function. When you need the hyperactivity, it's, it's, it's going to kick in. It's going to be good. Yeah. Like, like take Denise, for instance. Me and Denise are very similar. <laughs> similar. We can manage a lot of things at one time. And it, there's the benefit of having a community of people who can take on the burden of the things that we can't manage because we're so hy- hyperactive. Like, oh, man. If I can get, like, I mean, if you can get something 50% of the way, 75% of the way, and you got somebody else to carry the baton, that's what that's what we're here for, for each other, right? Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. But when you have people that have ADHD, <laughs> that's a, there's always going to be a way. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out that way. I wish, I wish people would have known that it's not so much of, Everyone looked at it like it was a problem. And right. so because I had the medication, I I became a commodity. Mm. And, and that's different. It's, and, they, and the conversation is going to take a turn. Explain that to me a okay. little bit more. So I became a drug dealer at a very young age because okay. of this medication. Um, and like that's going Because like, they know you had it. Yes. So you can supply it. Yeah, exactly. Not the street pharmaceuticals. And, <laughs> and then because I had figured out this skill set of oh, I'm going to take it here when I need it. I'm not going to take it when I don't. I became I became to have a reserve of pills that I didn't need. Mm. And at this time, you know, everyone's experimenting in high school, so on and so forth. So I'm selling it yeah. because it's like, well, my mom's going to check the medication. I got to get rid of it And anyways. then you get refills. So you you just ending up with pills that you don't exactly, need. Exactly, that I don't wow. need. And I couldn't have them by the end of the month, if not, because my mom would know I wasn't taking them. So you had to dispose of them anyway. Yeah, and the people were asking for them, so... I was making a little bit of money off of them or I would just give them away. But, but Loki, that also makes me think how many people that actually took the medications you were giving actually needed, needed them. It. <laughs> like, you needed them because you also had ADHD or you needed some type of hyper focus or. And that's amazing because that's, that's why that, that's amazing because I'll tell you what, 
this friend that I'm talking about specifically, right? she began to ask me for the medication because she saw how focused I was. Mm. Once we kind of got over the hump in our relationship where she was like, oh, you're like actually a rude person. You're different than what I thought I was. And she started to see Not rude. the difference. She started to ask me for them. And when she would take them, it was a completely different completely different she was having different symptoms too so what what did you notice in her that was different i would notice in her that she didn't have the negative effects and symptoms that i would have so she wouldn't become a shell of herself she would actually be hyper focused and still be able to communicate with other people and still be able to be herself fully it gave her a complete like whereas it would bring me down low it would bring her up high wow yeah it it was what what did that make you feel like seeing that this was working for someone else and it was making you feel like low-key shit. <laughs> I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it because it always made me feel bad for the most part. Wow. Outside of it completing the objective, it would make me feel bad internally. Um, and I'd never felt like really good on it. Um, so I was like, how? I've never understood it. Right. You know, I, I was like, how could this possibly be that I'm taking this medication because I need it and I was diagnosed for something that is supposed to resolve and it makes me feel bad. But when other people take it, they feel great. They feel like they can get more done. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you can get, that's the point mm-hmm. of it, to get more done, to be more efficient. But there were things outside of that that it was like, I would say, hey, are, you know, you've been taking a minute. Are you experiencing this at all? And they're like, <laughs> be like, I'm nah, not nah, man, I love that stuff. Can you, matter of fact, are you not going to take more? them? Can you give me some more? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I don't get it. Y'all crazy. <laughs> crazy. Man. And, and I like low key, I can't even take pills by the day. So for you to have to take something on a daily basis, on a specific time, that in itself is a lot of like discipline and dedication. I don't got, but <laughs> but I can only imagine like this was part of your routine. And for 10 plus years, you had become like, all right, breakfast, pill, go about my day. And then you changing your routine and then incorporating other people into it. Um, and so now you're in this adult stage of your life. And what what's going on with you now? And knowing that you have this, like, what are you, how are you coping? What are you doing that is a really, really, really. This good is a question. great question. Like we're we're going <laughs> all the way question. there. Like let's go. I'm a, I'm all about it. Um, so honestly, I have been off the medication for four years now. Okay. Um, I just turned 26 in September. Happy Last time I took the medication was 22. Um, and so one of the things that I found over time was that there was a point where I believe God made it hard for me to get access to my medication without my parents. And so what I mean by that is I was 1099 working in the insurance business, so I didn't have health benefits besides my parents' plan. And I could not find a doctor where I lived that would prescribe the medication. I did not want to go back and see a psychologist. The doctor that I used to see with my parents was no longer in practice. And so I didn't I didn't want to go through that whole process. Psychiatrists and and, um, you know, therapists wouldn't prescribe the medication. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anyone to prescribe the medication. Quite frankly, I just stopped looking. And so because I stopped looking, that became a part of my life where I weaned myself off of the medication. Uh-huh. And I had to figure out how do I operate at the same high level with intentional focus and get stuff done right. without the medication. Huh. And so I began to 
redo research. I read a book about ADHD and ADD, mm-hmm. um, and I'll, I'll put that information out so you can share with other people. Yes, thank but you. It, we'll put it in the comments. Yeah, I'll share it with you guys. One of the things that I found, and this is going to be helpful for, this is going to be super impactful for somebody, is that there's not always a need or a necessity to change the way that you are, mm-hmm. but to figure out the best way to operate as you are. And so God made us all for a reason, and we're a certain way because of the uniquely and special gifts and abilities that we have. And I believe now that being hyperactive is something that I can use to my advantage. Yes. While there mm-hmm. are things like rest and slowing down that need to be considered. And I, need and I to think, learn how to do. Yeah. Like I think God <laughs> provides a time for those and he will sit you down. Like for instance, I got a boot on my leg, you know, you can't see it on the camera, <laughs> but, but I got, I tore my Achilles. Like God was like, Hey, sit down, slow down, be still. You know, and I'm I'm very keen to to when those times are, but I think you got to be who you are. So mm-hmm. if you are that type of individual that has a hard time focusing, figure out how to hone in on that skill set. Yeah. Because having a hard time focusing and being able to manage several different things is a skill set. And so what I've found is different tactics. Like I may take intentional work for 20 or 25 minutes if I need to really focus on something. And then I'll give my uh, myself 11 minutes, 10 so you, minutes. You time yourself. To kind of help be like, these amount of time is going to be dedicated towards this and this how I'm hyper-focused. Yeah. And I, I'm going to be hyper-focused on this. Like, I, I may give all my energy in that 25 minutes to whatever the tasks are that I need to get done. And mm-hmm. then for 10, 11 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, I'm going to BS. I'm going to allow my... I'm going to <laughs> that, allow my... That's kind my, of the reward yeah, afterwards. I'm going to say, all right, I like to be loose. I like to... Yeah. Whatever other things that I want to dibble-dabble <laughs> on, start, not finish, I'm going to do that. Then it, I'll give myself a break to just let my mind decompress from everything I was doing and boom, Mm -hmm. 20, 30 more minutes of intentional focus on whatever it is that I was trying to accomplish before. And what I found is that in that intentional intentional time period, I will usually accomplish what it is I set out to accomplish first. And in the additional 10 to 11 minutes where I'm just kind of working on whatever it is I want to work on and letting my mind flow wherever it is it wants to go, I will also start things that I can accomplish in the next 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. So you're kind of setting yourself up for the next thing. And and I kind of want to intercede a little bit because you were talking about um, psychiatrists and therapists and then go seeing your primary doctor. And so um, I really didn't even get to learn this until I started um, my master's in clinical mental health counseling. Um, And so I found out that master level licensed therapists and counselors, they actually don't prescribe medication. All we do is talk therapy and we run different methods and theories and we learn the scientific methods of how to really help people, especially if you have PTSD, severe mental health illnesses, different things like that. Um, But a psychiatrist is the one that actually can prescribe new medication, but you're actually recommended to have a counselor and a psychiatrist because a psychiatrist will not always do talk therapy with you and help you discover some of the things that you're experiencing and how to cope through them and how to heal through them. So while we might use a psychiatrist to refer you out and get you medication, you still need a counselor to kind of help you um, recognize, realize, heal, journey, all this other stuff that you actually need. A primary doctor, they're more of like, you got a sore throat. Okay, we got this. (laughs) Like, okay, you need this. We got that. Um, But they won't always refer you to a mental health practitioner. So that that's some important distinguishments to think about. So don't think just because you're going to counselor, you're always going to get medicated for the things that you need. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's just not the case. Uh, and I've been through a journey where psychologists, psychiatrists, 
primary care physicians, which we've all probably had. Where we are now, you said you've been off medication for a while. Um, describe um, the difference between your primary doctor, your uh, clinical mental health provider, and your psychiatrist. Um, but what does the road look like for you now, and what does that healing process look like? I can say that I have healed from the perspective of rejecting myself. Wow. And so I, I, I want to say that somebody out here or out there needs to hear this, and I think it's very important, is that don't allow the, medic, the need for medication mm. or the thought process or perspective that you are not good enough, and so you have to have whatever that pill or that medication may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a believer in medication to a certain extent. I believe everything in, in somewhat of a controlled setting is okay. Um, but I think that you have to learn and heal from rejecting yourself. And mm-hmm. so once I learned to stop rejecting myself and accept that this is who I am. What were you rejecting? I was rejecting the fact that I, the way that I was. Okay. Okay. The way that I was created, the way that I should be, I was rejecting that mm-hmm. because of, uh, I thought it was wrong. Yeah, I was like, going to doctors to see what was wrong. I was going okay. to get help to fix a problem that wasn't really a problem. It was more so who I was and who right. I am now. And once you accept, once the rejection goes out of the way and once you accept that, hey, this is who I am, then you learn how to deal and heal with that. So I've learned to deal and heal with my hyperactivity, uh, my attention deficit disorder. I've learned to navigate and live with that. And so where there are places I feel like I'm insufficient, I'm still working on, you know, right. but I lean on people like you my wife, my friends, my community, the people that God mm-hmm. has put around me to help me be more sufficient, I lean on them and then I don't, so I don't feel bad. That support system is important. It is. Part of, part of the healing journey is like, who's there to hear you out, support you, pick up when you're having those bad days or things of that sort. Yeah. You don't have to do it alone. That's, if, if you don't have anyone, there are resources for you to reach out to or gather you just got to be willing to do the work and and don't let fear stop you from figuring out what it is that's going to work best for you and the people that are going to work best around you Mm -hmm. and and i think it's important for people to start recognizing like what what comes along with having adhd and if your friend has it how can we support that um and i think me knowing for myself like i have moments where i'm at my highest and i'm everywhere and everywhere but like you you notice it when I'm having a bad day. Like my my face is mute. I'm quiet. You you just pick up that something's yeah. wrong with me, um, and it's because I've gotten to the point of completely overwhelmedness because I've done too much. And I you were talking about that earlier. Like God is gonna give you those moments of like you need to sit down. You need to rest. And low key, I <laughs> I think I have a minor concussion. I'm telling this to my friends. Um, and I went hiking and I hit myself on a rock, <laughs> like shooting up. And uh, ever since then, like, I feel like my, my, I've been getting like headaches and stuff like that. And, um, but I've been taking it easier. The semester has calmed down from school and I just, um, been taking the time to like sit down and just kind of let things pass me by and not care about them too much. Um, but I do feel like that was God's divine intervention as well to be like, you need to calm down. You need to sit down and we're going in, into the new year, um, and so this new year, it's it's really the time to reprioritize some of those things that I'm always hyperactive about. Yeah, it is. And I always feel 
extra energized around this time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I try to focus on and not fall into is being being overly excessive into everything that I want to accomplish going into 2024. Because you feel like you got to do it in yes, 2024. <laughs> exactly. And I feel like that that is more so like the mantra or the message that's pushed is, hey, whatever you didn't accomplish this year, you're going to accomplish next year. Sometimes you just survive through the year and that's good enough. And you go into the new year refreshed with a new sound mind, with some restoration and with some healing. And it's not about how successful you were. It's not about what you accomplished and what you gained. Maybe even if you sat down through December and did nothing and you spent time meditating or with God or going out into nature, whatever, you you know, even if you spend time doing that and you walk into January Mm -hmm. quietly, refreshed, restored, renewed. That is, and, and I think it's the lens you take on it. If you have this optimistic lens versus like, I was busy the whole year and I didn't get to do anything that I wanted to do. Well, guess what? Like I had an abled body. I was able to relax. I was able to grow into my friendships. I was able to build my relationship. Like think about the things that you did get but weren't negative about it. Because if you come into it with a negative mindset, you can't get nothing but negativity out of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're what you, so as a man thinketh. What is that? <laughs> you what? never heard that saying? Oh no, my God. So as a man thinketh, saying. his actions will follow. <laughs> That's the saying. I thought you were going to finish it. No, like, I, I never heard that. <laughs> what? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really good book. Um, okay. It's a book. But yeah, so I think that two takeaways, right? Takeaways. If y'all. you have not been diagnosed, Mm-hmm. I will never say not to seek a diagnosis, but also do your own research because you can seek to understand yourself without yeah. a medical professional, not saying that you don't need one. Mm-hmm. You should get one, but you can seek to understand yourself without a medical professional. Do the work intentionally and internally to be able to understand, okay, where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? And understand that your weaknesses are not areas where you are a failure or that you need to reject yourself. Accept your weaknesses and allow somebody else to take your weaknesses as their strengths. Yeah. And and I think to go along with that, it's like I, even as myself going into the mental health profession, I have a hard time labeling people because I don't want to crunch them. I do not want to label you and say you have borderline personality disorder, you have depression, you have ADHD. And while I want you to understand what you're going through, I don't want you to use that as an excuse or a crunch to be like, well, I'm a depressive person, so I'm going to just be depressed the whole time. Yeah. That That is not the point of that either. It's It's to be like, okay, knowing that I have ADHD, what do I need to ha- help me to cope, to get through day to day? When do I need medication? When do I not need medication? Um, kind of Some of those things and realizations, but I don't want to be a crunch to people. Yeah. And that, I think that's big. That's really important because I ran around a long time with the label of like, I have ADHD. I have mm-hmm. ADHD. Like, and it was a thing like people around me were, you know, I'm diagnosed with bipolar disorder and it became, we were labeling ourselves and that was how you wow. introduced yourself. At a point in time. Like, this yeah, is my, like, my mental health. Like, why are you doing that? Oh, I'm ADHD. <laughs> you know? That, that's kind of me being like, I'm an ESL kid messing up on my pronunciations. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. That's funny. But I think in closing, I'd really like to say what you're dealing with, you can be healing. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for that. Um, Thank you for this fruitful conversation. I think it's definitely hard to talk about 
the things we've experienced, but it's it's a long journey. It has not just been now out of nowhere. And even if it is up out of nowhere, this is real and it's real to you and it affects the way you function yeah. in your relationships and in your marriage and your family life um, and your intimate like closeness and business and everything you do in one way or another, it has affected you. Whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, you're suppressing it if you choose not to. But um, if you choose to acknowledge it, then you're realizing that man, I really need to work on this and it can really help me if I choose to focus on it. But uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Is there anything else that you would like to leave us with? That's it. Thanks for thanks for having me. I, I'm definitely appreciate. I I love to see where this is going and, and where you kick it off too. So you guys follow and shout out to Be Nurtured. <laughs> follow and shout out Be Nurtured. Um, this is in my feels, but I'll heal podcast. Can't wait to hit you up with the next episode. Stay in tune. Be nurtured. Be you. Hit us up. Bye, y'all.